Blog Talk Radio. edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard, where we discuss news, politics, and culture from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy. Hers is the philosophy that upholds, that uniquely upholds, the right to the pursuit of your own happiness. I'm your host, Amy Peikoff, and as you can hear, I've still got a little bit of the cold in my voice, and I probably will make a couple of yucky sounds, but it's not nearly as bad as last week, I'm happy to say, but this virus, whatever it is, it has staying power. I came down with it 14, not 14 days ago, I would say 11 days ago. So it was a Monday, a week ago Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, yeah, okay, so that's uh, 11 days. Yeah, 11 days of a yucky virus. And today I had the bright idea of having my super slow workout, my high intensity strength training workout that I had been putting off since last Saturday. And after I finished it, and I was tired, and I thought, oh, I've got a show tonight, and I did a super slow workout. So I'm recovering from a cold, I did a super slow workout, and now we're here in the evening talking. Uh, We're going to have a number of news stories that we're going to discuss tonight. If you go over to my blog at don'tletitgo.com, you can see some of the news stories that I've already posted there under the program notes for today's show, but you can see I've got a variety of topics that I'm interested in in talking about today. I was really, really discouraged in in terms of, you know, all the stories about jihad in North America, jihad in Canada, and in New York City, and it's so unpleasant and horrifying that you do not even want to talk about it. I'm going to want to focus on some other stories Uh, having to do with free speech and having to do with education in part because you've probably had plenty of reporting on the other stories and in part because while it's hard to think about it this week in particular, I would say the issues of free speech and education are more important for the future of this country. I still think that's the case. So, Anyway, see if you agree with me. I also do want to speak with you guys about the election 14. I want to know whether you voted, how you voted, any perspectives on voting. I actually did the mail-in ballot, so I'm done voting myself. I put as much time and effort as I could into figuring out what you know propositions to vote for and against, and it's it's very tricky sometimes to to figure this stuff out. So we'll talk about some of those issues as well. If you want to join in. On the discussion, and Bosch Boston will be here in just a minute or two. Cartoons Bosch Boston, as usual, will be joining me. 
but you can join in on Blog Talk Radio over here in the chat room. And I see a number of people who have chimed in already. So hello, everyone. How are you? Stuart Hayashi is there. John Selfishness, otherwise known as Gary, and a number of other people. So welcome, everyone. And yeah, I did tweet, but I tweeted at the last minute. So I'm being a a little bit of a slacker. I don't know if you guys will give me a little bit of a free pass because of the cold. I'm going to try to play some sympathy card for that, but we shall see. Anyway, the other way you can do is you can call in if you want to talk with me. And the phone number is 760. I've got, it's so funny, I've got my windows over here on one of the computers. I have two computers in front of me right now. I've got a laptop where I'm looking at actual news stories, and then I have the studio running on another computer. And on the studio computer, I have not separated the chat window from the studio window. So I'm staring at the chat, and I don't have the studio at my disposal. One second here. Uh, I know. Isn't that sad? Wow. Oh, no. Okay. Now I, I didn't want to do that. I want move tab to new window. That's what I want. Okay. Here we go. So the number to call in to talk to me live is 760-888-5817. Again, that's 760-888-5817. And now I am welcoming cartoonist Bosch Faustin, who has succeeded in untangling the mess of cords that we have going here in the studio. How are you doing, Bosch? Okay. (laughs) Uh, I was telling the audience that you almost don't want to talk about any news this week because it is so horrifying. I mean, there's one story that I didn't want to even relate to you at all. And you didn't, as far no, as I know, I right? Didn't, no. Do I we didn't. do we want to even talk about that one now? I mean, is that the one in Israel? Yeah. In Jerusalem. American Israeli baby, months old, thrown and murdered by Hamas gun. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get into details, but it's just uh, and the. Uh, the uh, scumbags in our government uh, from the Obama administration basically saying at one point, um, let me let me find it while you. Oh, you're gonna you're gonna find the quotation from them. Yeah. Yeah. So then, of course, we have the jihad attack in Canada. Two different jihad attacks in Canada. That's back right. That's right. Days. That's right. And I actually did. I posted about both of them. I was I was horrified about one aspect of the earlier story. And if you go over to my page on Facebook, you can follow me if you want on Facebook, Amy Peacock. You'll see basically what happened was they had intercepted the first attacker. He was trying to leave the country to go join ISIS. They're doing this across the Western world. Western governments are taking the visas away from these scum. And letting them free. And letting them free to unload on their citizens. Yes. And that's exactly what they're doing. This is, to me, this is criminal. This is criminal. Let them go there and die. And they try to get back, don't accept them. They're letting them run wild with that kind of rage of being stopped from going to do their heroic deed for Allah. Well, I, you know, gonna, I don't, I don't, do I don't know that I would let them go no, no. over there. Yeah, but then put them in jail or something. If they're a, put if them in jail, know exactly. That they're a exactly. I would not let them go overseas. I would put them in jail. Absolutely, that's don't, what I would. Don't do. let them loose on the streets on your citizens because that is no. criminal. No, and and that's a dereliction of duty beyond belief. Yes, yeah, so if you go over, so to, two guys would not be dead 
at least in the West. I mean, I don't know all the stories happening because Herod Wilders was on uh, Jimmy Glossoff's show and uh, talking about it. And he said, basically, let them go. Let them, you know, let them go and never come back. Go die. Now, this is the story that got me really upset. And Bosch, just the wording of the headline is going to make you upset. I can already tell. Listen to the headline. Terrorist ideology blamed in Canada car attack. Terrorist and ideology. And being praised by, of all people, Andrew McCarthy, who I mostly respect about the issue. He, but he, yeah, Andrew he, C. McCarthy, Andrew right? Andrew C. McCarthy, he knows his stuff, which is really terrible because he says something like, we must call it terrorism. Andy knows. For two decades, he knows the threat that we're facing. And he wants us to call it terrorism? I mean, this is embarrassing. I mean, terrorism is a tactic. That's embarrassing It's to a me. tactic. And, it is not uh, an ideology. Again, I debated him, and uh, he's a good guy. I've known him for a long time, but this is embarrassing. He knows better. And he thought, like, he thought that's a strong stand to take now. A dozen years after 9-11, we must call it terrorism. Anyway, the quote from the State Department about the horrific atrocity of the baby. And uh, they said, basically, that... Both sides must maintain calm. So I tweeted, I said, State Department urges the side that never murders babies and the side that does murder babies to, quote, unquote, maintain calm after Hamas murders baby. So I wrote, rat F-U-X. Mm-hmm. That means something. Yeah. Uh, that's just, it's intolerable to hear the, this. The idea to treat them as morally equivalent where you can say, okay, you know, And they were so cool about it. If uh, Barack Obama's daughter was butchered by this scum, would he maintain his cool? Doesn't care. It's an Israeli kid, an American kid, half Israeli, half American, so what? And he always chimes in. He always says something about this. And then then he called the atrocity in Canada, one of them this week, uh, senseless violence. Senseless violence. As if there's no motivation or reason for it. Now, th- this story here that I posted again over on, on Facebook, it's terrorist ideology blamed in Canada car attack. It's from the Daily Mail. And in the story, they talk about the fact that they have they had intercepted this guy who, he was a young convert to Islam, as they call him. He killed a Canadian soldier in a hit and run. And they say that he had been on the radar of the federal investigators. Why? Because he had tried to go overseas. They took away his passport from him. And then then they also said that they had monitored him and they met with him, but they did not take him into custody. And here's the quote. Here's the quote from some government official in Canada, Fontaine. Fontaine said they couldn't arrest him for having radical thoughts. They couldn't arrest for having radical thoughts? Yeah, you know, just radical thoughts. Now, as now, far as far as I'm concerned, probably you know, is on record saying he wants to kill infidels. Oh, he supports ISIS. I mean, he this, he, that, he, that. He's That's trying to go overseas to join. By the way, Yaron Brook ISIS. had a great podcast question and his answer, and this past week's uh, podcast where where you know he, at peakoff.com. Peakoff.com. You got to mm-hmm. check it out. I have. I don't take zero exception with what he said because as. As everyone here knows, probably I disagree with him when it comes to terminology. He said nothing that I take exception with there. Zero. It was excellent. You got to listen to it. And he was talking about the the fact that these people, it goes, you know, say, saying you're going to kill someone, that is not free speech. No. That's violence. No. And, and, and listen to this. I mean, this guy was doing more than just speaking, 
he had taken what we would call in the law, and again, the law that I'm referring to is really the law of conspiracy. They could charge you with conspiracy once you are not only planning, but also taking an overt action. So this While guy, there's a war going on also. Right, that's right, what right, right. So this guy could be said to basically... Getting, you know, get involved in a conspiracy with ISIS. In effect, he wants Absolutely. to go join them. He ISIS took, said, he took, people. he didn't just have radical thoughts. Yep. He took, took he took an action, which was he went to the airport and tried to fly overseas to go join these people. So why can't you then arrest him? I mean, why doesn't he there, then show himself to be an enemy of all civilized people? The, the government delivered that soldier to the savage. They said, "Have at it. Take it when you want." We just don't want you to leave. And they know these guys. These guys are all about emotion. If they get stopped from going somewhere, they're going to explode as close as they can. This is what they do. And at least two guys have done that. Two guys so far. And, uh, you know, I just, there was one observation I made. I was, I was looking at it again. You know the old, uh, the old guy in Parliament building who went out and shot the guy, the, the second scumbag. The, the sergeant at arms yeah. who shot him, yeah. Which is great. Yeah. But the kind of... I get the kind of reception he got, we all appreciate it, right? The vast majority in that chamber, I believe, are probably leftist, anti-gun rats. Probably, you know, it's a pretty liberal country, Canada. But they, they, they figure he saved us, right? VIPs. He didn't just save, you know, some. He well, guns, saved guns are us. okay if they're guarding politicians. That's what I'm saying. You know, no, that's what, they were so ecstatic in their praise for him. They just went off, and he took it in stride, cool as hell. But they were so happy that this guy, you know, killed someone for them. And that's just an observation I made because that's how our politicians are right now. If a politician gets beheaded by a jihadist, all of a sudden there's a war on jihad. All of a sudden, there is a famous politician, a beloved politician from the left or the right, whatever. All of a sudden, they, they're going to declare war. If it doesn't hit them personally, they don't care. So what I'm saying is I think well, they... Well, for instance, what did, what did Rand Paul say that got you pretty upset? It was just released earlier today, right? Yeah, I, I'm call, I call him Rand Paul. Rand Paul. Rand Paul. He's his father. He is his father's son. He's been trying to hide it, but he keeps slipping. Whenever he talks off the cuff, it's over. So let me just find it one second. He says this. And I'll tell you what I say. He goes, the world, this is Ron Paul today, foreign policy speech. The world does not have an Islam problem. The world has a dignity problem with millions of men and women across the Middle East being treated as chattel by their own governments. So I followed up with, I said, this politician needs to study Islam or shut his trap about it. If he did study it, as he and every elected official should, especially those who want to be commander in chief, He'd know that the reason men and women, particularly non-Muslim men and women, are treated like chattel by their Islamic governments is because of Islam. Right. I'm, I'm just sick of this crap. I really am. Disgusting politicians coming out here and defending Islam at our expense. At our expense. We keep getting picked off left and right, and they keep coming to the defense of this ideology that motivates the murderers. I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like... Keep thinking about these things. Now, Keep again, saying the same again, thing over and over again. Again, Ted Cruz does not do that. No, ne- Ted Cruz and he does has not never praised words. Islam. Now, whether he will, he probably no, will. He's I a politician. I don't, I don't think he will. He's a politician, so I expect I him to. No, if he doesn't, I don't fantastic. Think he, will. he had some strong words to say. I remember, as I recall, he, he did put a statement up this week, and he I was not disappointed jihadists. with it. He, he does, does use jihadists, he does. and that's a clear distinction. 
he does you that's a proper term to use for his scum. We uh we have a phone call here. I'm gonna go ahead and take it. I think I know who it might be. Okay. So I don't think it's gonna be anyone who's gonna swear at us. Hi, who's this? Hi, Amy, it's Debbie. Yes, hey, see, Debbie. it's not anyone who's gonna swear <laughs> at us, boss. <laughs> Good evening, yes, I'm how not are you? I'm great. So, um, I, actually, I only have a few minutes, but I just wanted to call and share with you something positive uh, about this, actually. Um, it's not a huge thing, but I was encouraged by it, and um, so I thought I'd share it with you guys. Okay. What happened was uh, I, I was on a business trip this week and was watching the news coverage uh, a morning, one, one of the mornings this week, just following that shooting um, in Canada, and there was a commentator on Fox News. I wish I could remember who it was, but it was not, uh, you know, an objectivist or anybody like that. It was just one of the regular guys on Fox News, and he said something that I was really surprised to hear. He said, talking about the jihad attack, Canada has a problem. They have one of the fastest-growing Muslim populations in the world. And uh. the thing that encouraged me was that he said that. I mean, it's not encouraging that there is that problem or what happened in Canada. It certainly is horrible. That it, but just that that it recognized it. Yeah. That it, that it recognized the fact that, sorry, not, sorry, that it recognized the fact that if it's a bigger Muslim population, you will have clearly more trouble and right. more problems and more right. murders. Right. He didn't say extremists or Islamists or, right, or right, anything right. like trying to mitigate it. He just said, look, they got a problem, and their problem is that their Muslim population is growing. Wow. And, um, and the other people just kind of were like nodding and going a lot. Nobody, nobody's freaking out. Uh, and so I thought that was kind of encouraging that someone's Did, talking like does that. Does guy have dark hair, dark, dark short hair, Brian Kilmeade by any chance? Brian Kilmeade? Because uh, he was a guy who was... Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because he was, I, he was I don't one of the better ones. Name, but um, I'm not sure. I, cause I, I know it's not... <laughs> I know it's not Shepard Smith, who's uh, a liberal hack. No, yeah, no, know, That's a good observation because that's a it's a very simple statement that has pretty heavy implications. Yeah. No, now you know so, in terms of in terms of what's going on in Canada with this Muslim population, Bosch showed me a video earlier today, and it is actually courtesy of a listener named Tomer Strolight. Yeah. He sent it to us, and I'm going to go ahead and post the link to that video over at my blog at don'tletitgo.com. It's just a video on YouTube, but it is from Sun News in Canada. As far as I know, that, that's like the Fox equivalent in Canada, I believe, Sun News, because there's a few hosts there who, who lean right. And the thing that was on this video was truly horrifying. I mean, there were two things that I learned in there. One was there's this community of Muslims, and they have, you know, a mosque, I guess, and they also run a school. And another thing that they try to do is they try to um, buy up property mm -hmm. and 
they want to have an entirely Muslim condominium community. So they want to buy some property, make an entirely Muslim condominium exclusively community, Muslim. exclusively Muslim, in the middle of a Jewish area a Jewish in Canada, yeah. Jewish neighborhood in Canada. Yeah. That's a hostile act. So that's one but thing. But, it, but that is nothing compared to what I'm about to tell you. Go watch this video again. I've got to go over to my blog at don'tletitgo.com and make uh, good on the promise to actually post it there. This video shows a, a group of students in this school that the Muslim community runs. And they are putting on a play. You know, kids in school, they put on plays. The only problem with this particular play is that they are being asked to enact beheadings. Sure. So, yes, and we're talking, these are young kids. They look like they're, what, six, seven, eight, nine? Probably. Something like yes. that. So these kids, they're, you know, one of them's giving a spiel about how this one has, you know, violated Allah's law or whatever the hell he's done. They they have little play swords and everything. And there's a whole audience of parents sitting there, not objecting, not saying anything. And here's these kids, you know, this guy sinned and the blah, blah, we're going to cut his head off. And then there's a narrator who's got like a skull death on his face, a mask or something. Mm-hmm. And and he narrates and he says, oh, yeah, you know, they cut off the heads and then they brought back the heads and whatever. And then, you know, they go behind the curtain and then the little kids come out with fake heads and they're holding the fake heads and they say, here are the heads. Here are the heads. Oh, I mean, this is. Yeah, this is monstrous. So, um you can kind of see, you know, I saw I saw this earlier today and this is one of the reasons I was thinking I I don't want to talk about this stuff on the show today. The the I mean, imagine that you think, I mean, imagine that you, and I can't even imagine this that you think that this is a great tactic for war that you're just going to go ahead and, you know, get journalists from your enemy and behead them on videos and you think this is a this is the right. Can you imagine exposing your children to this horrific act and then having them act, I mean and for it, a country, it is just beyond and for a country to allow this I gotta say yeah for Canada the, the to government allow should say this is unacceptable behavior for any school we're gonna shut you down and then then we're gonna deal with this crap and find out you know, are, you, are, you, are you guys in bed with terrorists so so is this, is this a madrasa are you teaching them to be terrorists exactly exactly and one so one reason I bring it up to you Debbie is perhaps the journalist on Fox News who you saw actually is aware of this story. Maybe. Maybe that's true. To say something like that. Maybe so. But, uh, wow, that is just shocking. And especially in Canada, it's considered hate speech if you denounce Islam. As yes. Islam. Mark, Mark Stein was dragged into court. Yeah, he was dragged into court over that for being honest about Islam. But, but one thing also, you know, when the guy makes the observation, I mean, I make this one line, less Islam, more peace. More Islam, less peace. Always, always, always. Every time Muslims take over a certain area, there's always more violence, more death, more destruction, more, you know, just, uh, I don't know. This is where we are. And, and then the New York, uh, yesterday, this savage walks up to some policemen, axes them, puts an axe in one cop's head, in one cop's arm. The cop was in critical condition. And then they found out after the fact that he, that he was jealous. And, and, and there's a quote by him on Facebook or somewhere. Am I supposed to stay, stay on my couch or go jihad? Because that's the only option in life, right? Yeah, just sit on your couch and do nothing or, or go, go jihad. jihad. Those are your options in life. And one thing also, I can't stand when these guys are referred to as warriors by our side, okay? you start, you got to respect them. Oh. No. These guys walk up to innocent 
bystanders, people, uh, cops who are off. I mean, they're not on their guard. Innocent victims, babies, they sneak attack rats is what they are. They sneak attack rats, and there's nothing heroic about them, nothing, nothing at all. And I just I can't stand that because these guys always pick soft targets, always fly planes into buildings, not military installations, into civilian buildings. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, well, you know, I, 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 don't, uh, I don't think there's anything you could even really call it a silver lining, but I do think that um, people might be starting to wake up to this. And I, I think, think they are. I think they are. More, the more of this happens. Now, these guys are so savage that they don't realize that the stealth jihadists always get pissed off at the hardcore jihadists. They're like, God damn it, we've been trying to you know, infiltrate them, trying to make it happen in, in, into the culture. Well, and these guys always wake us up, you know, the savages. But that's, these stealth jihadists are, idi- are really idiots. They're, they're, they're like leftists who think that they can force a totalitarian system in America through votes. Without blood, without bloodshed. The Seltjahs think they could actually take us over. They think they can make us submit to Islam by choice, as if we would do that by choice. The totalitarian systems can't do that. You can't do that. It has to be a flat-out terror and destruction and death and threat of death to make you submit. So I think these guys, uh, they're idiots, because Islam, bottom line, it's, it's death, destruction, violence, through and through. Muhammad didn't talk people into joining him. Um, I don't know if you saw Debbie, but over on the Don't Let It Go Unheard page on Facebook, I had posted uh, there's a video, excuse me, not a video, a movie out. And the movie depicts the life of a woman who had, as a young girl, been promised off to be married at like age five or something. And let me scroll down and get the movie. It has something to do with a sparrow. Um, and really, the movie is a window. Yeah, it's called To Kill a Sparrow. And it's a it's a window, I think, on Islamic culture. Uh, it's a woman from Afghanistan. And she ends up, I think, getting away, making an escape. And then one of her relatives says this. She says, uh, or not she, he, of course. It says, me or a relative from my tribe, someone will find her. Wherever she is found, she will be killed. And he said, you know, she could be in America, wherever. They're going to go after her because why she, you know, went against their wishes for the arranged marriage that she was supposed to have. Um, she's trying to avoid that, and how how dare she? So there's a guy who comes over onto this post, right? I've put this post over on the Don't Let It Go on her page on Facebook, and his name is Omar Al Awadi, and he is from Kuwait, and he is apparently a Muslim who doesn't adhere to all of these. Doesn't adhere to Muhammad's philosophy. Right. Okay. Essentially. And he starts talking about how, well, you know, that's not an Islamic culture thing. This is Afghani culture. It's not Islamic culture because, look, in Kuwait, you know, women can do this. They can leave the house. They can drive. Um, A Muslim woman is allowed to... How liberating. A a, a Muslim woman is allowed to accept or reject any suitor for marriage. Um, a woman is obligated to seek knowledge. It's considered a sin if she refuses and blah, blah. Women get the same exact salaries as men. He thinks that's good that it's mandated that women get the same exact salary as men in Kuwait. 
Um, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but you know what? He's talking about Kuwait. Kuwait might technically be a little right, better than Saudi Arabia right. and Iran. And so what? And this is what I said to him. I said, you know, hey, if uh, if Kuwait is a lot better off legally and culturally than most Muslim-majority countries, then that's fine. And it's, I, it's less Islamic good. Yeah. Um, but it was so funny. So then he comes back with an entire dissertation with like charts and everything. I can't even read all this stuff. You can scroll through it over at the Look, at he the needs page. to believe he's part of something good. He needs to believe it, but he's part of something evil. Right, right. And then he ends it on the last, oh my God, it just goes on and on and on. I have not looked at all this. And then oh, he says, so then, then he has like as a separate, I think he posts like five different posts as an inheritance in Islam and the Bible. Oh. And, you know, because I talked about the fact that in, and it, it says this, in the Quran, it says that women are to inherit one-sixth the share that men inherit. Women are allowed to inherit only one-sixth the share. And he didn't get that straight at all. I don't know if he's read the Quran. Anyway, at the end, this is the funniest. Well, most he, says, he says, he says, ironically, Many of those who convert to Islam are women. And he says, I can refer you to a female convert who is a Caucasian American. I'm like, dude, are you hitting on me or what? (laughs) He says, after feeling that Western pressures... After feeling that Western pressures were too much for them, and not simply because they want to to marry a Muslim, then they convert. Well, usually it's self-loathing women who join Islam. It's like, oh, an an ideology that agrees with my self-estimation? Go. Right. So he goes on and on about how women, you know, they don't feel like they have to be eye candy for men and how freeing this is for them. And, I mean, he just goes on and on and on. So, so to wear a walking coffin. And then, and then of course, he, he pulls out the old you can't interpret the Quran card. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, if you don't if you don't know Arabic, then no, you can't read the Quran, okay. which means that most yes, Muslims cannot read exactly. the Quran. Exactly, and most right? Muslims are not really Muslim because they haven't. <laughs> You know what I mean, I always bring that right back to them. It's like, well, then you you only read it in English. I said, oh, so those who read it in English are not Muslim. Okay, so how many Muslims are there now? You say 1.5 billion. How many now? 500,000? I don't know. So, you know, I, I bring this up to say there's a number of Muslims out there who have no intention to be murderers or jihadists or anything else, and they somehow rationalize their ignoring but, of those doctrines but, in the Quran. And that's great. That's great. We thank you we for it that you don't to, look at this stuff. We want this more Muslims to ignore awesome, the Quran. But Islam is, is still a problem. No but, no, but the point is this. They do it for very un-Islamic reasons. They don't, you know what I mean? They, they're reluctant Muslims. Good. But that's not because of, of Islam. They try to give credit to Islam. Why they're good. Why they don't kill. State Defiance in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio. He says, yeah, those Muslim women look great in potato sacks. <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> By the way, this one guy. No, go on, Debbie. Yeah, Debbie's just got a few minutes, right? Sorry. Uh, yeah, um, I'm going to have to go in a minute here. But I was just going to say, I, I, I'm so shocked by how revealing that his comments are, though, because he's saying... Well, we're so liberal. We allow our women not only to leave the house yes. but to drive. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> we, right. we, let our, we let our livestock out That's part right. of the time. And That's let right. them walk around and and, uh, and and experience freedom. But like that just shows how entrenched that mentality is that women are property. And then it's just yeah. like he's bragging about the fact that they treat this property quote unquote better than some of the more barbaric of his uh, fellow religionists. Yeah. So. That's just that's just uh, pre pre revealing. Right. It reminds me of something. Uh, Riza Aslan, he's a piece of crap propagandist for Islam. He was out there and he basically sent word out. He retweeted someone's message that said something along the lines of, 
well, you can't kill women and children at this point, but you know, you go kill the rest. And he he sanctioned that. He basically sanctioned the fact that Islam publicly sanctioned the fact that Islam does sanction the, the murder of infidels. He basically, you know, backed it up. And then te- on the technicality that they, they, they're not supposed to kill women and children, which is an absolute lie. Muhammad is on record saying if they are with them, then, then you can, meaning kill women, children, men, whatever. Right. But this guy unwittingly retweeted something that, you know, that fessed up to Islam calling for the death of infidels. He, he, he wasn't aware of it, is right. what I'm saying. Right, right. Like, like this guy, he's not aware that he's saying what he's saying. You know, look, we let our women breathe, you know. They, they could breathe. It's awesome. You know? Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, actually, um, I, you know, I, ha- I have to go, actually, Bosch, because I'm going to just go <laughs> and convert and um, Damn. go elope with this guy. And, yeah. So Sorry. Born again. Okay. <laughs> um, I, sent, I sent a fellow out there. I said, which is a crime in Islam, mass murdering human beings or eating bacon? And people liked it, and they retweeted it. But the, a Muslim came up, right? It's mass murdering human beings, obviously. You hear that? Right. He has to believe it. He goes, you can eat bacon out of politeness if you're a, fr- if you're, if you're a guest and the host prepared by mistake. You hear this? Muslims snap <laughs> so if, they, up, if they eat bacon. They snap. Yeah, usually eating bacon means knowingly eating yes. bacon. And they yeah. said, whereas not murdering people is pretty explicitly brought up without caveat or exceptions. Yeah, Absolute of course And then he says, but of course, you know that because you, you, you used to be a Muslim. There's, there's a, a need by my critics to say you weren't. You know, you yeah, weren't yeah, really Muslim, yeah. ever. I mean, come on. Okay, so, Why? Because you left Islam. You know what we have to do, Debbie? Because you, you do have to go, right? One yeah. one more thing. We, we're going to leave you with one piece of good news because this is horrible, this uh, uh, jihad Kristen in America. Bill oh, playing, playing I, I like Jobs. that one. You go ahead. Yeah, Kristen Bell has just been cast to play Steve Jobs in the uh, biopic of, uh, biopic of the, uh, the... You know the biography that I reviewed? I think it's called iBio. I think it's called yeah. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. The, the, uh, the biography think, is Steve Jobs. It's just called Steve Jobs, I think. Is that what it's called? Oh, I my I called it iBio. Right. I call it iBio. He had a name for so, it, but I'm going to rename his. I book. remember last year or two years ago after I read the book, I said Kristen Bill has to do this. He could he could pull it off. The intensity, the seriousness of it all, and he's going to play him. And also, he's he's very committed physically to his role. So I think he could definitely looked apart as the years go by. I can't wait. I mean, I, to see Kristen Bill as yeah. Steve Jobs, I think it's great. Uh, the great. other, the the oh, other good news. One more piece of good news for you, Debbie, before we let you go. It is that uh, I think her name is Nina Pham, the first nurse in Dallas who became ill after caring for Duncan, the guy who came over from Liberia. She has been declared free of the virus. She yeah. has gotten through it. It's run its course, and she is well. And I guess going home to her dog, who never did get sick, and they didn't kill the dog either. And, so uh, that God, has a happy ending. Does, but God healed her, right? God saved her. Yeah, them. apparently she made some comments thanking God and everything else. I mean, I, you know, I, you know when, they, when they thank God, I always say thank Doc. I mean, she has to thank a doc. She did, but she also did that, so whatever. But the fact is, if she wasn't in the, in the hospital with intense care every minute, she would have died. And if she didn't have a good immune system. Yeah. You know? Sure, no doubt. Her immune system helped her out. So that that's your your good news. Okay, Debbie? So yeah. you called up and I said, how are you doing? You said, I'm doing great. And then we discussed all the horrible news and I felt terrible. No, no, no not at all. And, no, but they, they got uh, you know, I mean, there, is, there is good stuff out there. So uh, I... Uh, 
Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that good news with me. Yep, and we'll and we'll be bringing up some more. There is there is another case of Ebola in New York, but I think it's going to be the same as this other, where it's going to remain fairly isolated. I, you know, now that so many of the people who were being watched did not come down with the Ebola virus, I think a lot of us are able to just breathe a little bit more easy. I mean, were you ever worried about it yourself, Debbie? Um, not really. I mean, um, a little. No, I mean, kind of a, a little tiny bit nervous about flying because I had a trip this week. And I know you were flying uh, like a week or two ago also for the undercurrent conference. And, right. you know, the timing of all of all that, I don't know about you, but I was I was a little, just a little bit nervous. Not like even, it didn't qualify as scared, but basically it manifested as like me using a lot of Purell and making a conscious effort not to touch a lot of stuff right. <laughs> on the plane. Um, that's about as bad as it got in terms of my own concern for my, my well-being because it's just not been something that's just spreading like wildfire. And, um, and I understand that it's never happened that a virus that is, that a virus has ever evolved to change the way that it's been, that it's transmitted. So like, for instance, Ebola is not transmitted, it's not airborne. I mean, if it were to, right. like, that the doomsday scenario, but I've read that that has never happened, ever. No virus that we've ever studied or known of has changed in that fundamental of a way. Um, so I'm not worried about that, about it becoming more readily transmitted, and it seems that with our um, more sophisticated technology in terms of dealing with medical problems, it seems like we're capable of preventing it from turning into an epidemic the government's pathetic lack of an attempt to protect us from it. Yeah, as long as they don't bring or allow too many cases to come here and we can handle them as they trickle in, then we probably should be fine because now the nurses are all up to the proper protocols and everything. I mean, you know, in Texas they had not expected to be dealing with that. And I think they did remarkably well, considering. I heard also that the second nurse, and I, I forget her name, Amber Vincent, I think, she was upgraded from fair to good. So she's also on the road to recovery. Um, the, the lab worker they had been worried about, I guess, never did come down with it. So good news all on, on that front. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I will... I will I will leave you with the with the good stuff because we are now we're going to talk in the rest of the show about some other things which I think would you agree with me Debbie with this I mean as, as bad as all of this jihad is I mean it's horrific and horrifying a worse problem would be clamping down on free speech in our country Oh yeah yeah definitely uh yeah. because the, the the Muslims are able to do only so much harm to us as compared to our government yeah they're not nearly as much of a threat right now so right. i agree with that yeah so if you know when you get a chance at a at another point go on over to the blog and check out the rest of the show but we appreciate you joining us for what time you can uh you bet it was always a pleasure to talk to you thanks very much and you have a good evening deb you too 
So go over to my blog, everyone, at don'tletitgo.com, and you can see the stories that I want to talk about with respect to free speech. We did mention one of them, I think, briefly last week. And remember last week we had that really fun interview with Kafir Alfia, one of the producers of, the executive producer of the show The Flip Side, The Flip Side with Michael Loftus, and that was a fun show. One story that bothered me and that I actually did think was more disturbing than all of the Ebola news that was out there was this idea of the White House censoring its pool reporters' reports. And again, pool reporters are the reporters that are allowed to go up close and personal at different events where Obama, you know, and his wife and everything, where they are. And, you know, because there's only a limited number of people who can actually have access up close, what these pool reporters agree to do is they say, okay, well, you go to that one, you write the report, we'll all share the report, we will pool these reports. And what's been happening, which I guess hasn't happened in the past, is that the White House has been editing those or not allowing reports to be released without them maybe cutting out something, changing wording, et cetera. And so what the pool reporters started doing is that they decided they would distribute the news to each other themselves and not have the White House do it because when they would have the White House distribute it, the White House would edit the report. So imagine that in order for us to get an objective report of what our leaders are doing, particularly our president, the pool reporters have to do something they've never done before, which is rely on, I think, a Google group or something to distribute their own reports and bypass the White House entirely because they insist on that. But there are a few other stories. Again, go to the blog at don'tletitgo.com and look at these stories that are impacting free speech. Free speech is the most important issue. And again, if you haven't watched it, go watch Ted Cruz defend the importance of free speech and the importance of being able to spend money on speech and have corporations spend money on speech. Go watch Ted Cruz defend that on the floor of the Senate. He spent about an hour when the Democrats in the Senate were trying to amend the Constitution to restrict spending on political speech by corporations. And Cruz walks through and talks about, of course, the importance of speech, the fact that Speech requires money by its very nature. Any kind of speech you do today is going to require money. And that corporations, corporations, what are they? They're just associations of individuals. And it's through corporations that so much of speech is is done today. So this idea that you're going to, you know, have any sort of a First Amendment with any meaning and restrict spending by corporations on political speech, that is a joke. But listen to this story. This is today. And I think, Bosch, did you give me this story? The FEC Democrat who's pushing for controls on internet political speech? Maybe. Uh, I'm not sure. I think I saw this story on Drudge today. So the Democrats on the Federal uh, Elections Commission, they are looking for controlling political speech on the internet. No joke. They want to control political speech on the internet. And essentially what they want to do is they say, look, when you send out certain political messages on television, we have succeeded in making you have to put all these disclaimers and disclosures and everything in the messages. You know how the candidate has to go, 
I approve of, I'm so-and-so and I approve of this message, right? There's certain disclosures that they have to make. And so what they want to do is they want to put the Internet under the same sort of control. So anybody who's speaking about politics on the Internet might have to disclose funding sources or make other various forms of disclosures. So the story is from the Washington Times, published today. FEC deadlocked in a crucial Internet campaign speech vote announced Friday, leaving online political blogging and videos free of many of the reporting requirements attached to broadcast ads for now. It says, while all three GOP-backed members voted against the restrictions, they were opposed by the three Democrat-backed members, including FEC Vice Chair Ann M. Ravel, who said she will lead a push next year, after elections, to try and come up with new rules for government political speech on the Internet. Rules for government political speech on the Internet. They want to use government force to restrict your ability to speak about politics on the Internet. Um, No, just try. I will not obey. I'm here on the Internet speaking about politics right now. You're not restricting me says it would mark a major reversal for the commission, which for nearly a decade has protected the ability of individuals and interest groups to take to take to engage in a robust political conversation on the Internet without having to worry about registering with the government or keeping and reporting records of their expenses. Ms. Ravel says she fears that in trying to keep the Internet open for bloggers, they've instead created a loophole for major political players to escape some scrutiny. And this is a quote from her. Some of my colleagues seem to believe that the same political message that would require disclosure if run on television should be categorically exempt from the same requirements when placed on the Internet alone, end quote. Now, I have a very simple answer to this. Remove the restrictions that are currently on television. It's not to say, okay, well, look, we've shackled these people who are speaking on television So I think we should equally shackle the people on the Internet because it's not fair. How about removing the shackles that are attached to speech? How about doing that? And they'll feel you're removing their power over you. She says, as a matter of policy, this simply doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't make sense. I think you need to remove the restrictions from speech on television. And we need to be able to just hold people accountable because we actually do research about candidates. We have, you know, reporters and news media. Let let, let me just give you an example, just talking about the election coming up this year. I had a ballot in front of me, a mail-in ballot, and I don't know all of the local candidates for every single office, but you try to, you say, okay, I've got a certain amount of time that I can devote to this. I'm going to vote for the big offices that are important, and I just, I voted for a lot of Republicans. Republicans, I don't like you that much a lot of times, particularly on issues of abortion and gay marriage, but I'm giving you a chance here because we have a country to save. So I'm voting for a lot of Republicans. And well, then, it's not to give them a chance, really. It's to basically cripple Obama a little more. If we can. It won't be as needlistic as Obama. And then maybe get a, a few Cruz-type guys in there to run, to run those guys, to basically make those guys be better than they actually are force them to be. I like state defiance in the chat room. He says, I'm state defiance. Obama's a big putz, and I approve this message. Oh. It's not really a message. It's more of a fact. <laughs> sure. It's perfect. I mean, you know, I just love it. Imagine if they do try to 
put some rules out there? I mean, good luck. But no, you know how many bloggers are going to yeah, have to throw in jail? Where they're playing with fire, our yeah. government, they think they're on the cusp of really, you know, pushing us around. I mean, they have in a lot of ways done that, but they think they can get away with this stuff now. They can't. They can't. I mean, they're getting they're getting away with not protecting us, not protecting our lives. They're getting mm-hmm. away with that. There's not too much complaint about that, um, at least from influential people. But this, no, this is to the point of um, they're playing with fire. Right, right. Absolutely. So in the the one story I was going to tell in terms of trying to make a decision on an election, there's a local candidate race, and I don't know what party these people are from. I know that two of them are running for a local political office. And then I see a Q&A with the two of them, and there's only two or three questions that are asked in this Q&A, and then you get to compare the answers given by each of the two candidates. So imagine the one candidate in two answers. So it's either two out of two or two out of three. I can't remember if it was two. I think it was three questions. But in two of the answers, this one candidate mentioned creating new revenue streams. Creating new revenue streams. When you hear a politician talk about, quote, creating new revenue streams, he means stealing more of your money a different way than we've done it before, and you vote against this person. So so this is the kind of research that I did. I said, oh, that's... that's And they say, okay, vote for the old guy who didn't say that, you know? Well, for the one who doesn't talk about creating new revenue streams. Yeah, that's that's about as deep as I get. It might not be, but he's not as bad as that guy who said that. Right. And that's where we are now. But if if there's nothing that stands out like that, maybe you don't vote in that particular race. That's exactly right. um, Or you you do more research if it's important enough. You you can't just vote for a Republican, I mean, out of sight because some some of them are horrific. Some are really bad. Some of them are even worse than some Democrats, potentially. I mean, well, possibly. I can't think of one right now, but there are. I, I do have one question for people if they want to chime in in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio or if they want to call in, 760-888-5817. And that's this one. There was a proposition on the California state ballot, and I think it's called Proposition 1, and it has to do with basically bond money for improving water supplies and quality and all this stuff. And in a way, you get torn, right, because... The way things are set up right now, the only way to get water is via government, right? It's government that is putting this all together. There's some private actors within there somewhere who, you know, they're contracted for something. But mostly it is government that's driving the supply and the distribution and everything of water in California. So the question is, do you vote? against this and right now we're in this horrible drought and then basically you're voting to not have water in your community next year when the drought doesn't get any better so i i read the measure i had to read it more to decide about this right because you're saying okay in the context what is this and even republicans are for this and then i read enough more of it where you realize that basically they say that they're going to do all these things that's really going to improve the water supply and it's not. No. It's a bunch of lies. It's, it's it's another bond measure, and the money's going to go here, and the money's oh, going to no. go there. And so when, if you read enough of the analysis, I think most of the time, any of the bond issues and stuff, you can just forget. 
Uh, but a lot of the a lot of the measures they are not named honestly. You do have Clearly. to read them. There was one, and I can't remember what it was about, but it it was a completely different subject matter. And then it was going to, as part of this completely different subject matter, it was going to increase funding for government schools. And I said, okay, you're gone. It looked good on the surface. It was something, it might have had to do with criminal law or something, but it, it was ridiculous the way that they pad these I things. I think it was and, called the You Will Love This Law. The You Will Love This Law, yeah. yeah. You Will Love I, This I did not love the You Will Love This Law. I, yeah. I voted against the You Will Love This Law. Yeah, so. It's good for you, law. I you know, name. Anything that was going to perpetuate the government schools. Let's say, but the right? Republicans will do this, though, as well. You know, Mark Levin was talking about the fact that uh, he's been called sellout, right? Because now he's saying, look, I'm a Republican. He goes, look, in the primaries, of course, I wanted the conservative to win over the Republican. And now we're at a place where, okay, this is what we're stuck with. You got these hacks here. This hack is better than a hack. Mitch McConnell, however horrific he is, Mitch McConnell, he's not as horrific as Harry Reid. That's a fact. I mean, he's not. Would it be Mitch McConnell, or would yeah. they get somebody better? No, he'll be the majority leader. He's, he, it's his turn. It's his. his, his, his the seniority, the position. Who knows what? That's disgusting, isn't it? Yeah. You put it a is. Ted Cruz there, or something. In the House, you put uh, Louis Gohmert as a speaker, or someone. I mean, he's not. He's, he's not the most articulate speaker, but at least he's a man of. You know, he's a he's a patriot. So we've got two pushes to control speech. We have the White House already editing pool reporters so that we're not, we weren't at least, getting objective reports about what goes on kind of behind the scenes at Obama's appearances, et cetera. Then the FEC pushing for controls on Internet political speech. So we have to watch that because they say next year after the election, they're going to try to push for that again. And then listen to this one. This is from Jihad Watch. And one thing I wanted to say earlier, by the way, if you do want to get more details about the Jihad attacks here in North America, go to Robert Spencer's Jihad Watch. He has got up-to-the-minute reporting, the best analysis of it. And the best connection um, to Islam, why they do what they do, exactly why and whatnot. And he has quotes from the Quran. Here, here's a story, again, on this topic of, of censorship. Published October 18th over at Jihad Watch, Obama nixed SNL sketch about jihad hijacking and racial profiling. Obama nixed. Not the producers, not the channel. Here's Robert Spencer. He says, one thing you have to grant about Barack Obama, he is consistent. He never wavers from his cherished principles. This is not, however, a case of authoritarian government censorship. He wasn't president yet. It is a case of the entertainment industry's willing submission to his perspectives, which we see on an ongoing basis on the mainstream media as well, which is effectively a one-party state in which only one point of view is allowed to be aired. The Saturday Night Live sketch President Obama put the kibosh on but is a October 16th story, and it says the bit in question was one of Smiggle's TV funhouse sketches. It would have been a live-action sketch following a video with colorful commentary on how the American populace often perceives race. But this is what he was going to say. Um, he says, It wasn't until my last season that the network refused to air a TV funhouse. It was a live-action one that was meant to be about racism and profiling, an airline safety video with multilingual narration, 
And whenever you had, had heard a different language, they would cut to people of that nationality. First, typical white Americans, then a Latino family, then a Japanese family, all being instructed about seatbelts, overhead compartments, etc. Then it cuts to Arab man, and the narrator says in Arabic, During the flight, please do not blow up the airplane. The United States is actually a humanitarian nation that is rooted in the concept of freedom, and so on. End quote. And uh, so according to the writer, the sketch did not go over well with, quote, the standards people. Um, and what he did is, um, I guess, Lorne Michaels asked then-presidential candidate Barack Obama whether or not the sketch worked. Lorne said, I have a plan. Obama was doing a cameo in the cold open. Lorne told me he would show my sketch to Obama if Obama thinks it's okay. They He's won't the be producer, able to argue it. He's been a producer for decades. He's asking some political hack chump if it's okay. Michael, if it's funny, he's asking him. Yeah, so so Obama wasn't exactly the down with the Obama. basic premise. It says Michael said that Obama called it funny, but the TV Funhouse segment was ultimately cut for the very reason the Standards Department was worried about. It's less of a shame that the sketch never made it to air than it is an amusing story with a terrific I think Obama line. probably was shocked when he asked him. Because you know, people assume that he's uh, he thinks highly of himself. No, no, he doesn't. He doesn't. He's actually shocked that he, he's in the position that he is today. But what I'm saying is, he looks at that and says, "This guy's asking me. This guy's a decades-long producer of comedy. He's right. asking me. This is funny. Well, I got more power than I thought. No doubt, he probably thought that." And one more story on speech. And again, free speech is. I, again, I would, I would say it's more crucial than jihad because if you do not have the ability to learn the truth about our government through our news media, if you do not have the ability to comment on political issues in particular freely over the Internet, can you imagine, here I am, I'm commenting on politics over the Internet, imagine putting restrictions on me having to document all of my expenses and share information with the FEC not not going to do it. Um, here's from the Washington Post. It's not free speech also. We could tell the truth about Islam. That's the only way we'll ever act on it. Right. If we continuously tell the truth again and again and again until politicians are embarrassed by saying Islam means peace, whether it be get booed off the stage and then they have to act on it. And the government, it says, wants to study social pollution on Twitter. October 17th, so just a, just a week Who ago. Who causes more social pollution than... Our government. What what institutions cause more social pollution, quote unquote, than our government? I mean, seriously, if we really think about that. Yes. That, whatever the hell that term even means, but I know what it means when, in terms of government. Nothing causes more social pollution than than our government. Uh, this is written by Ajit Pei over at the Washington Post. If I you think can he's he... a decent guy in the FEC. He's the one who actually uh, told us. He gave us the green light, the the uh, the word that they were trying to do what they were doing. Remember that. Uh, we 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 spoke about him right. weeks ago. We have we so have this is him. He's, yes. he's, he's a quote unquote Republican at the FEC. He says, if you take to Twitter to express your views on a hot button issue, does the government have an interest in deciding whether you are spreading quote unquote misinformation? The, sorry, the ultimate source of misinformation in this country is what? Oh yeah, Obama. <laughs> no, but Obama and the government. <laughs> yeah, this Obama. Again, social pollution, misinformation, boom. Okay, twofer. What's next now? If you tweet your support for a candidate in the November election, should taxpayer money be used to monitor your speech and evaluate your, quote, partisanship? 
He says, my guess is that most Americans would answer these questions with a resounding no, but the federal government seems to disagree. The National Science Foundation, a federal agency whose mission is to, quote, promote the progress of science to advance the national health, prosperity, and welfare, and to secure the national defense, end quote, is funding a project to collect and analyze your Twitter data. So our tax dollars right now are going to this project. They're going to collect and analyze our Twitter data. I, I think we should, like, all have a Twitter campaign to throw this off, this study off at least. Um, the project is being developed by researchers at Indiana University, and its purported aim is to detect what they deem social pollution and to study what they call social ec- epidemics, including how memes, ideas that spread throughout pop culture, propagate. What types of social pollution are they targeting? Poli- political smears, so-called astroturfing, and other forms of... So I think what we should do is we should tweet over and over and over about this program yeah. and, and our objection to it. Have a hashtag, whatever the program is called, something. Yeah. Untruthy, because it's, apparently it's named Truthy after a term coined by Stephen Colbert. The project claims to use, quote, a sophisticated combination of lion rats behind this and data mining, who wanna... social network analysis, complex network models to distinguish between memes that arise in a, quote, organic manner and those that are manipulated into being. So what is organic? It's organic if only one person says one thing all by himself and doesn't get together with other people in order to, for example, um, object to this program on Twitter. If we start a campaign via this show to object to this monitoring of Twitter, is is that organic or is it manipulated? I mean, it's just, again, they want to shut us down, shut down the truth that they don't want to hear. And this is the way they're going around it by calling it social pollution, every old name that they can find. Control, control, shut us down, shut down our truth. And also, they don't want to be judged. Obama's getting it the way he never has before. Even on the left, I mean, even if they feel a necessity to actually put them down now, to actually criticize them. Now, listen to this. It doesn't just say that they're just going to collect this information and sit back and, like, have a coffee or something. So, uh, continuing with the article. So yeah, the, as the, a first step. Yeah, the Truthy team says that this research could be We're used... We're supposed to take this seriously? The, the Truthy team? Truthy team. We're supposed to take this seriously? This research could be used to, quote, mitigate the diffusion of false and misleading ideas. Which, which the government propagates every single day, but go on. Mm-hmm. Every single day. Now, you know what? Now, we need to put an eye on the government. We're, we're a government watchdog. No, no, seriously. But listen to what I say. Mitigate the diffusion of false and misleading ideas. How? By applying by government force, yes, by applying by government them force, down. By, by, by telling by, Twitter to tweet yes, things a also, little bit, and also maybe to end these certain accounts. You know, they, they just yeah. they told too many things so, there. So listen, the, the the two verbs in this little description of what they're going to do is mitigate, and then the other one is assist. So they want to mitigate the diffusion of false and misleading ideas, and they want to quote assist. In the preservation of open debate. Now, open debate. Open means, debate means so, one-sided. <laughs> yes. Without without any challenge. Right. Right. Government good. Um, That's it. So the government is going to do the only thing that it can properly do is use force. Are there any government watchdogs left? And that's the whole question. Where the hell are they prominently Well, this Ajit Pei right here in the Washington Post is one of few government watchdogs. Yeah, but he's an individual who is an insider. What I'm saying is we need need to flip this on them and say, 
you lying rat bastards. You're trying to say that there's social pollution and misinformation. You you guys are the dominant purveyors of that, of that crap. And we're going to look into you. And we're going to have a whole Twitter campaign against you. This is enough. I mean, this is just, this is, it's embarrassing, actually, that they come out and say this, but they can get away with it. Again, they're fueling their oats. Now, listen, this guy is smart. And actually, he reminds us in this little piece, Ajit Pei, he reminds us of the other thing that he exposed. Yeah, he's an he says He says there was another agency-funded study in he's, which... He's a whistleblower. Yeah, remember this? He says in which Federal Communications Commission sought to insert itself into newsrooms across the right. country. Do you yes, remember that? They, they were going to have one FTC Physically person in the newsroom. A, and a it, government gun sitting there. And he blew the whistle on it, and I think that stopped it. It um, did. It so, woke us up, though. Yeah, well, it, it woke them up, too, the, the newsrooms. So this is what he says here about the motives of truthy. And, and he's giving them the term truthy because he, he knows that it just makes it sound like disgusting. It. He says, some possible hints as to truthy's real motives emerge in a 2012 paper by the project's leaders in which they wrote ominously of a, quote, highly active, densely interconnected constituency of right-leaning users using Twitter to further their political views End quote. So the translation is, hmm, non-leftists are succeeding in spreading the truth yes. via Twitter. Hmm, let's figure if we can find out a way to shut this down exactly by using innocuous sounding verbs yeah. like mitigate and assist. Yeah, they're, right? they're in the back room and say, we got to stop these guys. How do we set that up without being obvious? Uh, social pollution, uh, misinformation, uh, you know. Um, no. So we have this week two stories about potential censorship. And we have a couple stories at least about actual censorship going on. With, the, with, because, with Obama? Because here, here, what is the government doing? The government is monitoring speech on a social media network, namely Twitter, uh, by the way, I wrote to the head of policy at Twitter, and I asked, and I, there was there was a previous iteration of this story where all I heard was that the government was going to be monitoring the content of Twitter feeds and studying it in some way. And I asked, I said something like, is Twitter going to be assisting the government in any way in collecting this information? And the statement that I got back was, well, all the information that they're going to have is publicly available. But he didn't say whether or not Twitter right. was going to assist in collecting. Now, the one thing I'll tell you is that from my experience of speaking with John Allison in the past, he was the CEO of BB&T. He talked about the way the government put the screws to the banking industry yeah. to force them to, for example, participate in the TARP bailout program yeah. when a bank didn't even need TARP funds they were forced to borrow it and pay it back with interest anyway. Yep. So I find it—I find it hard to believe, and I wouldn't necessarily blame Twitter if government is bringing the screws to bear on them because all they do is they'll go, for instance, to uh, people go to the Federal Trade Commission and they file a complaint about Facebook or Twitter. I know for a fact this happened to Facebook, 
and they say, oh, you know, Facebook misrepresented its privacy policy and the blah, blah. Yeah. And suddenly there is a consent years. There's a consent decree between Facebook and Twitter right now where FTC has control over Facebook's substantive privacy policy for 20 years. So you tell me that there isn't something, some sort of control years, the government years. hasn't already yeah. put a screw on Twitter. 20 years means forever. Uh, I, they say 20 years now, but yeah. it's forever. It is, yeah. 20, what, I mean, what, in 20 years they're well, going to say, okay, we're done here? Well, and, and it, it said 20 years, but then, like, if certain things happen, then it might have to be longer. And then, Well, if, know, if Facebook yeah. bombs out, then they'll pull out. That's true. Mm-hmm. If That's nobody's it. on Facebook yeah. anymore, then, then they'll then, say, okay, yeah. I guess there's nothing here to control. But, but, so. but no, you know, notice, they, the, this agency, the National Science Foundation, has observed that there's non-leftists. That's views the whole, that's the whole effectively thing being spread yes. on a medium, social yes. medium, Twitter. Mm, gee, I think we have to throw a lot of yes. taxpayer money at studying this and figuring out ways they to quote, get off, mitigate it. They get off on that idea also, the taxpayer money aspect. You know, like, oh, man, perfect. And in their mind, the taxpayer are probably those right-wingers that they like to call. What's going on? John over here in the chat room at Blog Talk Radio is talking just about a sort of a more subtle version of just trying to direct the you know the culture yeah. government trying to put the screws to it uh, he says that did anyone see the article a few weeks back about Obama proposing to enlist the universities and colleges and he says I assume that he means faculty the most corrupt of the corrupt in quote detecting radicalization among students yeah, and, and of course, radicalization, radicalization is probably going to mean Tea Party that's to them. <laughs> radicalization. <laughs> what does that mean? Of what? The Tea Party is evil. No, but, no, but that's what it means. Right? Right? Oh, right? Yeah. The Tea Party. Mostly, I'm sure. He don't mean Muslims. I mean, he can't. Obama, look into, look into Muslims and now find what they're doing? Absolutely not. We've got a call over here. Oh, we had a call over here. I was about to pick it up, and we did not Actually, get it, so. It could have been that rep, so you know we can't tell right now. So. We should have all callers declare themselves non-reps. in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio and tell as us non- as tell us what they would like. But yeah, please do participate, and if you do want to call in, seven six zero eight 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 five eight one seven is the number. So I would say that these stories about our government continuing to try to find ways—they're trying to be kind of sneaky and subtle about it. But they are trying to affect and control political speech. And that FEC, that Federal Elections Commission, is going to try after the election again to impose speech restrictions on the Internet. So not just they're they're trying to tax the Internet. They're trying to impose speech restrictions on the Internet. The Internet is the public square right now. And, no, you can't get on the Internet and say anything meaningful for free, right? I buy an account with Blog Talk Radio. Thank you, supporters of the show, by the way, for helping us to do that. Um, You know, over at the blog, I've got a URL. You have to pay for the registration fee, and you have to pay for the mapping and different things. It's not free, but it's relatively inexpensive, and anybody can get out there and spread their message and the government wants to shut that down. They want to make it in effect because, I mean, imagine the time and expense of meeting the types of reporting requirements that they want to try to impose. Oh, yeah. Only p- 
people with big money are going to be able to do it, and then it's going to be fewer and fewer and fewer. They always say that they want to have wide open, free-ranging debate. They say that. But in the end, all they want is CNN and MSNBC. No, they have to pay lip service to that. They have to pretend that that they are fair people. They're not. They want to shut it all down. Uh, Right now, they're going to get smacked upside the head in this election. And they're trying to do something to try to bring that down a, a, a little notch by uh, by scaring us, by letting the, the weaker among us to just back off and not even vote. Maybe it's like, well, if I vote, they'll know I voted. They'll, if I talk about it, they'll you know what? Let me just, let me just stay home. Who knows? They're trying to discourage. They're trying to scare us, and some of us will be scared and not, and not act. But again, they're just trying to make what Obama has done to stick, to be permanent. Right. And they want to make sure of that. And they, they, they got two years left. You know, it was one thing Mark Levin was talking about, about FDR. FDR in the, in the 20s, before he became president, was talking about how they really never, the left never, the radicals, the progressives never really made their mark to stick. They never made it strong enough. What did he, what did he end up doing? You know what I mean? Social Security, all this crap. Uh, he wanted to make permanent big government for all time. And Obama thinks, uh, well, this is it now. There's no going back. We can't. There's no going back to a Republican government. It's impossible. And that's uh, we'll see. Hopefully, that's not true. Hopefully, we can fight back. But one we'll thing, see. one thing I heard about at least the California governor race is that among uh, Caucasians in California, right. Jerry Brown is losing, but among Hispanics, he is he's winning by a large margin. That's why he panders to Hispanics and to mm-hmm. blacks and to everyone except whites. And yeah, you know, I mean, it, w- what color is he, by the way? Yeah, okay. it doesn't matter. It seems. So let's go on to another topic that disturbs me, and again, disturbs me more than jihad. And, he, and here's the reason why. If we continue to have a robust debate, if we can teach our children to think properly and critically, they're able to think for themselves and think logically and critically about the truth, then we have a fighting chance and we have a fighting chance against any enemy, including jihad. But if we don't have free speech, right, there's no hope for reforming anything, including our foreign policy, which is pathetic. So... Also schools. So just a few stories. Everybody knows, if you've been listening to the show for a while, that I am against government schools entirely, that I think we need to abolish government schools and and have entirely private schools. Common Core is a problem, but it's just the most recent problem. And yes, I do want to repeal Common Core as a first step, but like everything else, I see it as peeling the layers off of the onion. You repeal the most recent control first, and then the control before that, and the control before that, and you get rid of all the controls at the federal level, eventually you get rid of the controls at the state level, and then eventually even get rid of local school controls. Um, But listen to this. Talk about a reason that you would want to get rid of government schools and all the rules that that talk about how government schools should be run. Nevada School knew that a 13-year-old girl was being bullied before suicide, didn't tell the girl's parents. So this woman, Haley Lamberth, she committed suicide in December 2013 after being this bullied. Woman? Well, woman, 13-year-old, sorry, girl. This girl. Girl, I'm sorry. But she was bullied for months 
While her classmates reported the abuse to the school district, officials never told her parents about the documented torment, even though the district was the legally required to, to inform them. Yeah. The girl never spoke to her parents about it? The girl didn't talk. I guess she was ashamed or something. And so the school district never told the parents either. She killed herself? She killed herself. Grieving parents are suing their 13-year-old daughter's school for failing to tell them about the on-campus bullying that allegedly led to her suicide. Jason and Jennifer Lambert said they had no idea their daughter Haley was a victim until she killed herself. The Henderson couple filed a wrongful death lawsuit against the middle school staff in the Clark County School District. Three weeks before her death, a classmate anonymously reported the taunting on school district's anti-bullying website. The school was legally required to tell the parents about the complaint and did not. So, yeah. And this is a good old government school. Um, another story which you sent me, and I can't remember if it was earlier today or before that, it's from the Right Scoop. Massachusetts parents angry to find out that Islam is part of their school curriculum. This has been happening since 9-11. And they're so positive about Islam. And they speak about it in a way where they they speak about it as Muslims do. And there's no... Yeah. You know, there's Declaration that and, Allah yeah. is the only God, yeah. right? And if the students say that, technically speaking, Muslims, you know, they hear them say that they're Muslims. There is no God but Allah and Muhammad was a messenger. That means you're Muslim. So I, I'm, just, I'm Muslim now. I am a revert. <laughs> I just it. said it. Um, excuse me, I'm sorry. This is my leftover of my cold. I was about to sneeze or do something yucky. Uh, it says the Islam lesson plan is here. Well, they, it was about Islam. You were up to yeah. yeah, that was it. That was it. Um, there's a whole little biography of Muhammad. He was kind, it says. Mm-hmm. His nickname was the Truthful One. The Truthful One. He was orphaned. His uncle raised him. He tended sheep. Later, he was a, he a successful merchant. Oh, he did what was she? Oh. <laughs> you were bad. You were terrible. Um, he was a, a su- successful merchant. He married a wealthy widow, but he felt as though something was missing in his life. So he went on a Yeah, retreat. so he took a sword. Yeah. Um, he studied both Judaism and Christianity and plagiarized it. Now, they said he studied both Christianity and Judaism? Yeah. Now, historically speaking, according to Islam, he's uh, illiterate. But that's why the Quran is a literature. But besides that, he was illiterate. How could he study it? By what? A guy talking about it? But I seriously, I mean, but he did rip, rip them off, though. I mean, he ripped off the uh, Torah. And, oh, yeah. And, yeah oh, yeah. That's one did. thing. He, he he copied so much there. Anyway, so the Archangel Gabriel, supposedly, it says, told Muhammad to preach about Allah. He began to preach three years. Um, so they talk about, you know, first the Muslims were outcasts, then they moved to Medina. The Islamic calendar begins at the date that they move that so to Medina. The move, right? Just yeah. move there. Uh, did it doesn't say anything about the violence that was committed by Muhammad. <laughs> now, Not he, a thing. You know, when he went to Medina is when he picked up his gang. They went back to Mecca and took over, smashed all the idols, hundreds of idols of different uh, religions. Yeah. And then uh, the first people he murdered, he had murdered, were critics, a poet, and one who was written, you know, they used to call them all, all these type of names, an old man and a woman. He murdered them. And then he started going off after the uh, Jews and the Christians and the Zoroastrians and 
you know, yes. that's how it's spread. So it basically talks about, you know, they it don't leaves out the, they, uh, they, they don't gamble, they don't commit adultery, they don't drink alcohol. But, but Muslims Muslims also have fun. They enjoy wonderful the, the, festivals, right? No. It doesn't say anything in here about the fact about that jihad. in the Quran they call Jews apes and pigs yeah. repeatedly. The descendants of, of apes and pigs. pigs. Women are to have as as you want, when you want, how you want. Um, uh, this this reminds me actually of one of the things. Remember, I told you the guy on the Don't Let It Go Unheard page mm-hmm. who had this whole diatribe. Mm-hmm. So I talk about in there about the fact that the Quran does say that oh, if your wife doesn't obey you, you know, you can beat her. And it was funny because the guy tries to defend it, right? <laughs> and he says he says, well, you know, it says that the, you're supposed to beat her lightly, <laughs> and only after you know she doesn't do this and she doesn't do that. Um, it was, uh, I mean, it's, it's truly amazing that he would even, oh, well, it's just, it's just lightly. And it's only because you've, you know, you've tried these other things and you couldn't get your wife basically to obey your wishes. It makes even people who are, you know, these people who happen to be Muslims seem like animals. I mean, it really makes them seem, appear like absolute savages, even if they're not by defending this, yep. you know, but they have to in their mind, like, well, I have to. Yeah. So this article over at the rights group. Right scoop notices that in this whole whitewash of Islam, they don't mention anything about Muhammad eradicating the Jews from Saudi Arabia or the other wars, etc. So imagine your child goes to this government school in Massachusetts and gets presentations about Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, and presents them all as basically equivalent, no problem, prophets, basically. Six-year-old wife, pedophile, prophet. Mm -hmm. Had sex with her when she was nine. Um, they, they left that part out, right? Right. Okay. Right. They they left the part out where he took his uh, stepson's wife because he found her sexy. They they took that part out. So you you start to understand why where when... he, where he beheaded six six hundred to nine hundred Jewish men in the tribe. Right. And in the ditches that were endless. No, nothing about that in okay. the school curriculum. So you understand why when you see stories like this that they don't do their job telling the parents that their child is being bullied at school for months. They include a whitewashing of Islam, a religion that is posing a threat to us and our way of life right now. And, you know, basically, you, you know, when you go on the ballot and you see that there are certain measures that are geared towards, quote, improving the government schools, making them work better, you say, no, no, I don't want to fund them anymore. I don't want to, quote, make them better. What you want to do is you want them to go away. So anytime you, you have a chance to vote on your ballot, if there's any part, and again, look, look at the different measures, right? Because you can have a measure that could be about the water supply or something. I think it might have been the one about the water supply in California, and they were going to divert some money to improve education or whatever. It was ridiculous, and I do not want any more money going to the government schools. Listen to this final story about government-run education. It's from the New York Times. It's an opinion page by Ross Bakara, A New Start for Newark Schools. And what this piece does, really, in effect, is argue that the state control, the New Jersey state control over Newark schools should be relinquished because it's been horrible. Excuse me, I have to cough. Wait. (coughs) It's okay. I'm sorry about it. 
Uh, it's horrible. Wait. <laughs> it was. It was definitely gotten better, but um. I know. Kicked in. I've been, we, I've been talking too much. We do have that caller, but I don't know yeah. if it's that right. Maybe I should take the caller. Anyway, the, um, the point is, is that if you go look at the article, you will hear. Yeah, it's horrible. There. Oh, okay. sounds so bad. It's okay. I've got tears in my eyes right now. It's okay. Okay. I'm trying to just slug water to to stop the cough. You want me to talk about something? Well, I just want to get across this point. What this does is it catalogs all the waste of money, how much money the state spent trying to, quote, unquote, improve the schools in Newark and how it failed time after time after time. They would institute a new program, a new initiative to improve education. And then, of course, in a few months, they didn't think it was... It's just maintaining well, it. It's just yeah. It's they, never, say, no, they say they it's say. going to improve, right? Like, then, like Obamacare is going to improve our health, our health care. But it was, you know, it's like, it's like okay, this month we're going to try this approach, and then a few months later it doesn't work, so then this month we're going to try this to approach. It's to perpetuate right? the, the control over our schools, exactly. period. Exactly. That's it. That's it. And they'll say, uh, use the word improve. They'll, they'll, like, they'll like that. It's like, use the word peace. I'm going to talk about this evil ideology. People love peace. You know, give it to them. Call it peace and then get, get away with murder. So, so while the author thinks that the answer is local control, really what I think you should take this article as is a case study in how government just destroys right. education right. and that all money spent on education by government is just basically flushed down the toilet. Just go check and that. And, check and they're out. thinking they've had control of our schools for how long now? I mean, <laughs> too long. And they think... We still don't have full throttle control in our politics. Republicans can still beat us sometimes. Right. So we really got to get, you know what I mean? We, no, but that's their thinking. Like, we have to improve this. Quote, unquote, that's what their idea of improvement means. We got to make Democrat voters more now. You know what I mean? We got to really figure that out to make full on right. Democrat voters because some voters are voting Republican. You know, I, I heard some, still. I heard some hearsay. Last weekend, and it was about a um, pretty left-leaning uh, government school math teacher who is not pleased with the Common Core and actually has abandoned the Common Core. So, even among left-leaning teachers, there is reason out there, and you can appeal to these people. But whether they're ever going to agree to, I mean, even. Ted Cruz supports charter schools. Yeah. And what did we hear about charter schools a few weeks ago? Yeah. Charter schools in New Jersey, they were importing Turkish teachers with questionable certifications. Imagine you're sending your kid to a government-funded but privately run school, charter school. It's supposed to be better. And you find out they're most likely Muslim, Muslim. Muslim teachers yeah. who don't have the proper certification yeah. anyway. I told them uh Muhammad did this and that. Let's this, this is a math class, yeah, but don't worry about it. Let's go ahead and take the call that we have over here at Block Talk Radio. Let's see. Hi, who's this? Hey, I'm Ian Bosch. It's Dan Harris. How are you guys? Hey, Hi, how are you? How's it going, Dan? I'm sitting here with my baby girl, so if she's behaving, I can probably talk for a while, <laughs> but it's not. I might have to go on short notice. Okay. So, um, so I, the conversation I, I was hoping to have... It's this, this kind of a rediscussion of an old topic, but from a different angle. Since you guys were talking about voters, I was wondering 
if you guys were interested to discuss the um, voting strategy that was probably discussed a, a year ago regarding, you know, voting for, you know, the Republican or Democrat or a third party. Yeah. You know, I know it's uh, kind I mean, of a side topic. But. At, at this point right now, I like voting for Republicans because I would like to thwart Obama. And right. then in, in in terms of what I would want to do for the next election, it really depends which Republican they're going to put up. If they could put up a Ted Cruz. I mean, you know, this is the thing. Uh, Tammy Bruce, whom I really like a lot, seems to support Mitt Romney. How and why? I, I don't know why. But you, I, I, any, anybody who calls themselves a non-leftist, right, mm. anyone who calls themselves a Republican or even a Libertarian, what I want to do is, is have you look, Ted Cruz has a whole list of priorities that he posted, and I posted that list over on my page on Facebook, and I just said to anybody out there, tell me that any other contender for the Republican nomination, that any you know potential contender for Republican nomination would be better than what this guy is saying. I mean, you don't hear anything. And, it was, you know, it, check it out. It's really, it's really solid. solid. And then also, but one, one... Let me see if I can find it. One critic of it came out and said, yeah, but his gay marriage and abortion thing, it's like this. It's like this. We're going to disagree with him on that. He look had at, one little side at, comment and it was Barack really Obama. oblique about look that. Look at Barack Obama. He's, he's against, well, he's for abortion and gay marriage. Is that the issue? If that's the issue, vote for Barack Obama. If that makes you move, if that's what you know, if, that, if that's what moves you, period, then vote for Barack Obama and be happy and don't complain about anything. If that's it, if those two issues are, are your main issues, so Ted Cruz will disagree with him on, on on those things. We will, and we'll fight him on it. I but mean, you know, but you, when it comes to the enemy, when it comes to the government, right. when it comes to our corrupt system, and the things that they propose are just they're excellent. I mean, they are, and, and he's and he's articulate. I mean, see it. see if you agree with me, Dan. Right, right now, I, I actually feel like with this threat of jihad, I feel like we are without a president entirely. It's like I don't even think of yeah. having a president trying to protect us. Right, there's no one there. No, Do you I agree? Mean, I, I absolutely agree. Um, you know, an inept person or an evil person would choose the same things that he has chosen. I mean, it, it really doesn't matter at this point. We're being affected by what an evil person would choose. Uh, you know, he's, he's sided with, um, you know, uh, I, I think I ran recently. I've been listening to some of the Mark Levin show. Yes, he yes. mentioned them coming up with treaties yes. that aren't going to be signed by the Senate. I mean, it's just insane. How <laughs> it's impossible. It's unconstitutional. Yes, it should not be happening. It cannot happen. And, that, but, and that's the thing. I don't. I don't feel again, like we have a president on our side again, at the, all. The Senate and Congress have to do their job and protect the country from an, a Barack Obama, and they're not doing that. You know, they're supposed no, to protect I their mean, own. No, I mean, they're taking the impeachment off the table. Completely. They have. It's, this is just sick, and Obama's going to run wild, and that's the that's the remedy to Obama. That's so, the only remedy. So here's here's the list of priorities according to Ted Cruz. He publishes in USA Today, which I think is a great place to get it out there. He says first they have to embrace a big pro jobs growth agenda. This for Republicans next year. And we're year. talking, you know, the energy renaissance, um, you know, uh, export liquefied natural gas. Remember how how we were? Uh, I guess we've been curbing the export of natural gas because. Uh, Biden's got family contacts in Ukraine or some garbage like that. Um, 
stop the EPA from implementing rules that will destroy the coal jobs and drive up our electric bills. So basically freedom and energy. Then he says, second, pursue all means possible to repeal Obamacare. Which I think is wonderful. Who, Which who are the Republicans? Yeah, no one's talking about Zero. repealing Obamacare and you know what, and besides him. And right Dr. Now. Ron Paul, Mr. the Islamophile, you know, Mr. Uh, what does he say about Obamacare? He's a, he's a doctor. I mean, even him from his perspective, he doesn't right. ever get against the way Ted Cruz does. Yeah. So he talks again about the effects of Obamacare and why we need to get rid of it. Third, he says. Secure the border and stop illegal amnesty. Now, he talks about 90,000 unaccompanied children. And here's the thing. You may be in favor of open immigration, as I am with the caveats about people who are at war with us, people who have insanely horrible diseases, right? But you can't be in favor of people just foisting their unaccompanied children across the border. That is insane right we you know we we don't have the obligation to take care of other countries children if we choose to okay fine but you can't just like bust them across the border it's it's ridiculous so there's there's that now you know again i'll have some division with him on that uh he says hold government accountable and rein in judicial activism uh, he talks about the IRS's illegal targeting of citizen groups that's good but then he says and this is this is where he's talking a little bit the wanton violation of religious liberty and privacy rights, the lawless implementation of Obamacare, the EPA's assault on manufacturing jobs, etc. And he says the Senate should stop confirming activist judges who will impose their own policy preferences, such as striking down state marriage laws. So he thinks the state should be able to restrict marriage. I disagree with him on that, but that is the only, that's one out of ten bullet points. And it has a little bit about that. Then he says... Uh, Stop the culture of corruption. And here he's talking about the Export-Import Bank. Uh, he wants the Internet to be tax-free forever. Uh, rein in corporate welfare. This is all good. Uh, pass fundamental tax reform. Let's have a simple flat tax, which would basically mean getting rid of the IRS. He says, he says we should abolish the IRS and end its abuse of power. Who talks like Just this? Just saying those Matt, words. Rand, Rand Paul does that. Oh, yes, yes, but, he does. Yeah. Audit, but, but, audit the but, but, federal. Just hearing those words, you know. Audit the Federal Reserve. Near zero interest rates. Median incomes are falling right now, and but we have higher gas prices, food prices, etc. So he thinks that the uh, Fed needs to be audited to figure out what's going on with the inflation in some places, with near near zero interest rates in others. And he says uh, pass a strong balanced budget amendment. I know that um, you know Jerome Brook is not a huge fan of a balanced budget amendment right. per se, right. but I think Cruz wants to use it to rein in spending, which would be nice. He says, repeal and common keep core. Mind, always, always keep in mind, this is a politician. Right. I mean, this is a politician. This is not a philosopher. He's a politician, right. and he's the best we got. And then he says, repeal common core, and then he says, 10th, deal seriously with the twin threats of ISIL and a nuclear Iran. So he actually used the term ISIL? ISIL. That sucks. Yeah. He says uh, what you need to do is you have to have legislation that strips American citizens who join ISIL uh, of their U.S. passports so they cannot return home and wage jihad, etc. So he takes the threat seriously and he talks about jihad. Well, he does. Um, he does refer to jihad, which is which is excellent. So I, I feel like with him you get someone that is almost as extreme on economic issues as a Rand Paul because this is where – you know, Ron Paul sounds good to some of us is on economic issues, but he would have a substantial foreign policy and he would. he's 
you know, talking about letting, indi- letting individual states settle he, the he gay marriage about, issue, which I'm not necessarily in favor of, but it's not as bad as it could be. He never talks about Islam. He never talks about the enemy. Yeah. And one thing also, Mark Stein was on Hannity the other day. I don't watch Hannity, but I, I see the clips, and uh, he, was, he was talking about, you know, uh, uh, I think Hannity just asked him, who do you think out there, individual? He goes, well, he says, I like Ted Cruz. He goes, whether you agree with him or not, he's interested in dragging you in his direction, not conceding the ground, as all Republicans do. He will not budge. Sounds and, like he stands on principle. Yeah, he does. Yes. And he comes off, I think he actually believes what he wrote here. I think he actually believes that, which is rare for a politician today also. And post Obama... He's a pretty good actor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's... I, I, <laughs> I mean, look, the only thing is he's a politician. That's a big strike against him. But in a post-Obama <laughs> America, you know, we're, we're going to need someone like Cruz. He's the only guy who can come in and somewhat, somewhat turn it a bit. You know, it can't make or break it, up. of course not. But to stop the bleeding, stop the bleeding cold, and then maybe do something. Yeah, so that's a very yeah. long answer to say that if if Ted Cruz is nominated, for sure I would vote no, but, Republican, no, but even though I have if areas he, of disagreement. If he gets a nomination, there's going to be an excitement totally agree. in this country because people right now, oh, that's impossible. He gets a nomination, the possible will be right there at the at the at the tip of their fingers. The blood, right. wait, 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 this could happen. We we will actually want to vote for someone. That's going to be a, that's going to be incredible if it happens. And honestly, I don't see anyone taking them out in the debates. I don't see it happening. Right. So if you get Jeb Bush and Chris Christie and, and Mitt Romney and the other hacks all around him, I think he could take them all out. And if he gets the nomination, yeah, could, could. you know, if he gets the nomination, it's the with be, the most substance that yeah. is consistent with the pro-life viewpoint. I mean, pro-life on earth. Yep. Mark over here in the chat room agrees it's way too late for Romney and State Defiance says Ted Cruz missile is a bulldog. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's uh, he's been he's shown us that he's the best again and again and again. Even when we disagree with him, it is what it is. We 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 accept those things. Overall, he's the guy who I think will defend this country, will defend our system, will try to bring it back to some semblance of reality. Have um, uh, have you voted yet, Dan? Uh, I have not. I've got my uh, mail-in ballot, and I've got a number of candidates to think about. So, all right, it might be time for me to get going. Oh, <laughs> right. I understand. Well, take okay, care. take care. Thanks, thanks very much for calling. All right, thanks. Bye. I, I, I mean, I I love that dedication, and I wish I had taken the call <laughs> sooner so we could have uh, spoken more. We weren't more. sure if it was that if it was that rat, MF, <laughs> that little rat. I think he only wanted to call us on that one evening so, where yeah. we had the really provocative title. I guess so. Yeah, yeah, we really, we did. We we very much provoked people. So speaking of controversial issues, so so let's uh, kind of juxtapose a few stories, and one of them is a horrific story where in California, apparently now, they are going to require churches and other explicitly religious organizations to pay for abortions as part of the health policies, health insurance policies that they give their employees. That's horrible. And I believe, I believe in the right to an abortion. They should fight to the death of this. They take it to court and just try to, look, you know, we can't do that. 
I don't care if you're government. You're you're forcing them. We can't. We will not do that. I mean, this is this is why there 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 are a number of still potential challenges out there to Obamacare that could reach the Supreme Court and have an effect. Yep. So this is this, this is this could be one of them. But also one thing, you know, this is there's a difference between atheists who's like, hey man, that's great, that's great, you know, because you because they're attacking religion in that way. These people have the right to not support that. Right. Absolutely every right, whether we agree or not, it doesn't matter. This is sick. No, I mean, imagine there's something that you think is immoral, and the government tells you you must pay for it regardless of your moral belief. Which is immoral. It's, that imposition, that 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 force. It's truly, truly awful. Yeah. Um, now, let me get to another story that is related to it, and I think it's something that's going on in Idaho. Am I right, Bosch, that you had told me about? Let me see if I can find it, because I know it was... Well, it seems like it was just bad news week. To, it was, it was, it was the bad, week. it was the bad news week. Yeah, this, this is it. This today, is it. another, another uh, school shooting today. I think one, if yeah. not, if not two, two kids were murdered. And probably followed by calls for gun control and everything. I haven't else. heard that, which is interesting, also. Mm. Well, guns have saved people yeah. in Canada and yeah, guns save politicians yeah. uh, this week. So therefore, guns are okay this week. This is a story from the Daily Caller, and it was published on the 19th. It says Idaho City to Christian pastors perform same-sex weddings or face jail. I mean, this is just sick stuff. So you sick. will be. Forced. I I think mean, also, what, what are wait, they slaves? Wait, think about also. I think this uh, homosexual couples are trying to force the churches also to make them submit. They can go to another church that could, that will accept, them, but they don't want that. They want to force a church. They want to. It, it, it's, it's not enough that they can get married. They want to make people who oppose it marry them, and, and that's and, evil. And make the cakes and do all the that's other. That, it's absolutely evil. Sorry, they, there is there is a, a freedom to be able to disagree now. To get to a controversial other side of the coin, the story that you gave me yesterday, and it's the woman in England who says that she wishes that she had aborted her Down syndrome syndrome son. And her Down syndrome son is 47 47. now? 47, and she is basically drained. she regrets it, and you know, it's easy on one level. People who don't believe in abortion say, "Well, you know, that's that that's horrific." She's coming out here, making herself a target for who knows what kind of people, you know, right? And saying, "Look, if I could have spoken to myself back then, if I could have, basically, our lives were never the same." She goes, "I have a, a child, a forty-seven-year-old child. You know, he can never ever get better, never get wiser, never get smarter, never get." And it's a constant struggle. The guy, the guy has tantrums, and uh, it's pretty sad. Tantrums at forty-seven. Yeah. And a tantrum by a forty-seven-year-old could, could be very dangerous. She Physically. says, "This is the headline." She just says, "I wish I'd aborted the son I've spent forty-seven years caring for." It's she a, loves it's, him. It's a shocking admission, but read on before you judge. Just read a little because it's just... uh, She says, the pilot had been very patient, but after an hour of the plane waiting on the tarmac at Heathrow, with my son, Stephen, refusing to get up off the floor, sit in his seat, and buckle up, our bags were removed from the hold, and he was carried off the flight, my husband Roy and I walking hot-cheeked and humiliated behind. 
They can't take a trip on a plane because their son has a temper tantrum and they're not physically strong enough to force him in the seat. Our family holiday to Greece would not be going ahead after all. And no, Stephen was not an obstreperous toddler when this happened. He was 45 years old. This embarrassing scene happened two years ago, and the episode is just one of the many challenges we have faced since Stephen, our second child, was born with Down syndrome. Now, there was a passage that you told me about that I want to get to, and it talks about the fact that the only time that he's actually happy is when... Playing, I think watching uh, cartoons and watching some other movies, and that's it. Yeah, sitting in front of the television yeah, watching. For hours, and, I guess. And that's the only time that he's actually very happy, which is no kind of life at all. And uh, she just sounds like uh, a woman who doesn't care what people think right now. She's going out there and saying, look, I regret having him. My life has been a constant battle to basically have a, you know 47 years of uh, a toddler a big, physically strong toddler who has temper tantrums like he can't believe. And um, I remember, you know, working in a restaurant, couples coming in and they had a, a kid with Down syndrome. You look at it on their faces, they're drained, physically drained people. And, you know, I just, this idea that you can live an absolute normal life with a Down syndrome baby, no, they're not normal. She says, um, in his early years, it caused me physical pain seeing friends' toddlers reaching milestones when my son was still so baby-like. Stephen didn't walk until he was five and couldn't speak. Even now, he has only a few words and communicates using Makaton, a form of sign language. She said, this made working out his needs a constant struggle. His incontinence meant that washing his clothes and bedding became my full-time job. She'd been a radar operator and intelligence clerk in the Royal Air Force before she was married, but now her life was taken up by trying to meet Stephen's needs, let alone those of her other son and her husband. You become, like, I guess, a nurse, a caretaker. Yeah. This is very strange. Can anyone hear us? Lost audio. Can you guys hear us back again? Said lost audio. Oh, my God. What just happened? We got disconnected again. Audio back. Is audio back? Thanks, everyone. I don't uh, know. How long were we gone? Um, was it just that five seconds? In any event, I was I was reading you just poignant passages from this. and she's 15 talking, seconds. Thanks, Ed. Just 15 seconds or so. Thanks very much. Sorry about that. And she, I wonder how how it'll be during during the show. Will it be music? You know, and 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 some people decide. Yeah, probably about fifteen seconds of Vivaldi for them or something. Well, I'm no, not sure. No, but when it comes to blog talks, people might just cut it off at that point. Mm. I guess they'll see that there's more time left. Yeah, they'll probably see that there's more because last about time, one minute. Mark said, "Whoa." Mm. Huh. Not good. That's terrible. This is a thing this with Block Talk, but did, didn't they warn something also? Yeah, Block Talk has been having some issues. They, they've been having lately. some issues. They sent an email out. But they, I thought it had been uh, corrected by now. Um, they talk Sorry about, about anyway. The, the the only thing that he's basically able to do and be just, happy doing re, is we tell them what we're talking about. Oh, you think? Yeah. Okay. And in any event, I'm talking about the article over at the Daily Mail UK in which a woman describes the challenges that she's had 
caring for a 47-year-old children, a child of hers who has Down syndrome. So she spent 47 years caring for him. And she's saying she wishes that she had aborted. And it's a, it's a very controversial article. I mean, I'm sure she's getting a whole lot oh, of, no doubt. Lots but, of hate mail. But what I'm saying is she felt so confident in telling us this truth. She believes this with full conviction that she doesn't care what people think. She sent it out there. Because I think she's trying to talk to that young woman her to her younger self and say, look, your life will never be the same. It won't be yours anymore. You'll be completely dominated by this. So think about it. That's it. Just just think about it. Right. And, you know, 95% of, uh, of people, supposedly, they abort their, their babies when they find out that they have Down syndrome. And let's say even Christians who probably oppose abortion. Because if they have a choice in, in the privacy of their own lives, they probably will say, well, I can't do this. And they won't talk about it. No. You know, and some of them will absolutely have abortions. Yeah, she says, and they should. She says 92% of people who learn that they're going to have a Down syndrome baby choose to abort. And if, if people don't want to, that's fine. But what I'm going to say is that people should have the right to choose that. And and now. And if the, someone goes out of the way and say, you have no right, I'll say, okay, you raise him. You know, if someone really goes out there loud and makes a campaign about it, and they say, okay, you raise him. Here, like no, it's not my baby. No, 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 no. You're the one who's saying I shouldn't abort. Okay, I won't abort it, and I'll give it to you. You adopt it and you raise it. Go to my blog at don'tletitgo.com, and you can read the entire article for yourself. But people need to be able to have the right to not saddle themselves with this sort of obligation. And not even to the extreme, what, whatever reason they have, but for this in particular, because you will not have your life will not be yours the way it ever, ever was or ever could be. And the way this lady talked, remember that, about the changing him? Yeah. The constant... No, and, and, and the parents of kids with disabilities, they rarely stay married. And why? Because the tensions are so yeah. high. The demands are so extreme. We, in, are, we are human beings, and if you get this constant, constant, constant... Right. you know, And you know what? You'll know, you know it'll never get better. You well, know? that's the thing. You know, you know that the child can't have a fully human life at all. I mean, no. imagine this. That imagine the, the child's mind. Imagine their life. The limitations well, of, of, of appreciating life. And the, and the other thing now is that the, the medical testing is so good. You can have a blood test, a, just a blood test. And I think no, probably within the first trimester, and some, whether uh, there's going to be a Down syndrome issue. Some religious people issue. don't take those tests because they don't want to. Well, and that that's you know. that's their right, right? Yeah, yeah, of, Every, of course, and, and what of I course. say is everybody has a right to do of it. Course. But but if if we go backwards and we prohibit abortion, and we've got the technology to be able to test and know that you know you're going to have a baby with Down syndrome, what do you expect a, a woman to you're do? You're against abortion. Don't have one. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, you're against gay marriage. Don't marry a dude. <laughs> I mean, no, but, but seriously, right? It's like keep to your own life, keep your principles to yourself because they're not what what this lady did. What she's talking about now, she regrets not doing it. It's one thing she you know she didn't even do it, but she regrets not doing it. And she's expressing that openly, and she's getting clearly a lot of hate. I mean, I mean, imagine this: you've got your one life to live. And most of it is is spent essentially Caring. round the clock care. You're a nurse for somebody who cannot care for themselves. You're a nurse yeah. full time. 
and uh, you'll never ever get the appreciation that you could or want or would like to for that kind of sacrifice. You can't, you can't have the kind of relationship you'd want to have with ever. a child, right? So never. In any event, I think we've made the the point, but I just wanted to juxtapose that where I completely agree with a religious organization's right Absolutely. to refuse to pay for abortions for their employees. To refuse to marry homosexuals. Nonetheless, it is important to preserve the right to an abortion in part so that women can avoid and you know what? These this homosexual sort of uh, life. Go to a, a church that will marry you, that will do it happily. Imagine. Sure. And now, also one thing. Doesn't your marriage mean something to you? Doesn't your wedding mean something to you? You want to go there and make it a political issue in the face of people who don't want to do this, and you look at them, you're marrying me against your will, and I'm going to enjoy my wedding? That's ridiculous. No, but think about that. Yeah. If, you, if you take it literally, you look at the person who's marrying you and say, you don't want to be here. You completely are opposed to this, you know but what, you have though? no choice. You know what, though? It is the same mentality that says, I don't mind Obamacare. I don't mind that a you know, shackled brain surgeon yeah, is going to perform right. my brain operation, right. right? It's evil. It's flat out evil. And, you know, these they, couples, they somehow believe these that people can operate who, under force and it's going to be yeah. peachy keen, yeah, no and, problem. And that, that'll be a beautiful wedding. Just beautiful, right? The vows that, that they take will be completely, uh, no. No, you, you have someone there who doesn't want to be there. And uh, how about choosing someone there who wants to be there? Right. And maybe enjoy your wedding. This is sick. I hate this stuff because these are two, you know, these are individuals who are making a political issue, like 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 politicians. That's what you know. That's what the, this issue has been. It's been a political football, and they're getting in on it, homosexuals. And when, when they shouldn't, they should be very very pleased that you know they can get married. Good. Go right. to someone who wants to marry you. They're out there. You can find them. Right. Right. Um, now you have a couple stories, Bosch, that you sent me about the election from Reason.com. Yeah. Well, the empty spectacle of the 2014 election. Just, just, just that um, they're making sure that they're not making this election about any, about anything. Our politicians. Now, why are they doing this according to Reason? Well, I mean, I, I'm it's a, it, it's Nick Gillespie. I I read a little bit. Mark Levin mentioned it, and also was another one who wrote almost the same thing in, in Reason magazine. I don't know, uh, but 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 what I'm saying is, the whole thing is that they're not taking a stand. Nobody is. I think the Republicans think think we got this. Let's not ruin it by saying anything, by standing for anything. We we got this anyway. They're terrified of saying anything. And you know, Mark Stein was talking talking the other day about how Democrats always run as conservatives in election time, and the conservatives tried to be liberal or something. When it doesn't work. I mean, it, it, think about it. They're trying to run as conservatives because they know the population will not vote for them if they're going to come as hardcore leftists. They won't vote for them. Right. They always have to lie and cheat. They can govern and quote-unquote govern as leftists, but election, come, come election time, they're going to lie. They're going to say, oh, gun rights. We we have gun, you know. Um, <laughs> I'm for the economy. Now, listen, listen to this. He says the short version of what he's, his message is this. Politicians are refusing to talk about serious issues because they can get away with it. Because they don't have to talk about it. Right. Because they'll get voted in for in anyway. 
It says individual candidates are mostly running on a variation of the theme that they're not as completely contemptible as their opponents. Yeah, I mean, look, if Mitch McConnell and Boehner will come out there, say, we are a piece of crap politicians, we know that. We know you're only voting against the Democrats by voting for us. You can almost admire them, you know what I mean, in that way. But they actually believe, I think, I think in their twisted mind, like, we are going to win. No, they're not winning. The country won't be hurt as much with them in power. As much. That's the and idea. And that's it. Yeah. Who's going to hurt the country more, Democrats or Republicans? Now, Democrats. listen to Gillespie at the end here. He says, read the whole article. He's got this article over that he links to at this other place at the Daily Beast. And he says, read it to see a surprise endorsement of Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders. He's going to endorse open, Hillary Clinton and Bernie the, Sanders. The open socialist? Mm-hmm. Wait, he is? Yes. Why? I guess because the Republicans are bad. Wait, because he has a Fonda jacket? Maybe. And he always wears it? <laughs> because that? Because he's living in the 70s? That's pathetic. You know, as we actually get to a presidential race, we can talk about that. But right now, it's about putting the brakes on Obama the and the point. Democrats. The Democrat Party is a nihilist, destructive party out to get America. The idiots in the, in the Republican Party don't know what hit them with Obama. They're like, well, we don't know what to say or do. We're... Uh, we don't like your marriage and abortion. That's what we have, huh? Right. How's that? Right. That's a platform. It's like, okay, that's great. Now, there are two other things that I want to talk about before we go. We have just a couple minutes left, right? So what is what is going on in the chat room over here, by the way? Uh, John says, if the Downs child is 47, the parents are closely approaching the age that they cannot care for him at all. Yes, yes and, and John, that's something that she says in the, in the article. She said, um, I'm worried about him when I'm gone. I think they're in their late 60s to their 70s. And also, um, that's a pretty old uh, Down syndrome um, individual. That's pretty old. 47. Oh, yeah. No, I, 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 didn't, I didn't think they were supposed 40s, to live yeah. that long. So that means that they did a really good job taking right. care of him. Right. I. He says, did you talk earlier about Hillary, quote, don't let anybody tell you that it's corporations and businesses that create jobs, end quote. That's a she quote from that? Hillary. Oh, my God. So who who creates jobs in Hillary Clinton's Hil- mind then? Hillary Clinton. Mm. Yeah, she created all the jobs in America and the world, actually. So she's going to compete with, uh, what's her name for the Look, you didn't build that? Just tell me, uh, tell, just please crown? tell me. Just tell me there's a debate between her and Ted Cruz in a few years, please. Okay? Mm-hmm. Because Ted Cruz will take it to her. He'll take it to her. He'll expose her as the hardcore leftist that she is. He'll call her that. Whereas uh, anyone else will just respect her, treat her with respect, and lose. You know what? what? You know what? If Americans get someone that they – I mean, think about it. A lot of Americans sometimes we, – we're so not used to voting for someone decent that we don't know what the hell that is yet. So if we see a Ted Cruz, if he does live up to our expectations – and text to these people. People will be very excited to vote for him. Now, the clip from Mark Stein that you were speaking about was over at Breitbart, right? It's Breitbart.com. Stein said one person can change anything, yeah. everything, and yeah. I like him. Yeah, he was talking about, uh, do they have the name of the... No, oh, we've got 90 seconds to go. Basically, the, uh, the Englishman who changed the whole thinking on slavery, abolished slavery. I'm going to put the link to that over at my blog at DontLetItGo.com so you can watch that from Mark Stein. And the other one that I'm going to find that I wanted to talk about was a doctor who says that you should drink all the coffee you right. want and not gonna, feel bad about it at all. I'm going to call for now. 
no decaf. That's, that's the uh, that's the good news of the week. So everyone, thanks for bearing with us, and particularly through the short audio drop. Yeah. We appreciate it. Uh, thanks for tolerating my bad voice. Go to DontLetItGo.com again to check out program notes from today's show and continue the conversation. Or you can follow here on Blog Talk Radio as well. Have a great evening and as Have good a weekend, weekend as you everyone. can. And stay safe, everyone. Okay? Take care. Take care.